And every time, like, someone comes out, one of the guy's wives or something will pop out. The first time, I'm like, okay, that's not a big deal that I don't know right. this lady. The second time, sure. But, like, I'm there, like, 45, 50 minutes, and I'm noticing, like, y'all don't know any of these women. And then I'm like, y'all don't know any of the guys they're saying hi to. There's no way that everyone at this party is the in-laws family. Like, my family's pretty big. Like, we would have been present by now. I'm having a good time, but I'm getting a little curious to see what's going on. Welcome to the True Fiction Project, a podcast series that explores the origins of fiction. Every week, we begin with an interview, nonfiction, followed by a creative piece, fiction, inspired by something from the interview. The idea is to demonstrate, of course, that fiction is born out of our life experiences. Now, here's your host, storyteller, author, public speaker, health and wellness expert, Renita Hora. Welcome to another episode of The True Fiction Project. I am your host, Renita Hura. And I have with me today a hilarious guest, Gastor Almonte. He is a writer, a comedian, a storyteller, and a bodega bouncer. Hi, Gastor. What's going on, Renita? What's going on is me wondering what the heck a bodega bouncer is. You want to <laughs> Share that one with us right up front. <laughs> I, I guess that's more of an aspirational title. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I feel like all busy businesses deserve a bouncer, you know, just to kind of keep mm. things in order. And uh, my local bodega makes incredible sandwiches. So when I'm eating mine, I like to volunteer to keep the ruckus in order while people order their bacon, egg and cheeses. So, yeah. It's a volunteer gig, obviously. <laughs> it's not. Mm. It's nothing too formal, but uh, I enjoy what I do. Volunteer and aspirational. I like it. You want to come and do some bouncing around here? Because I like the idea of having a Renita bouncer. Let's do it. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, Gastor, you live in Brooklyn. You are in Brooklyn today. You Yes, indeed. Yes to both. Yes to <laughs> um, both. Yes to all. <laughs> yes to both. Okay, and tell us a little bit about yourself. I know that you are a comedian. You've got a gig on Comedy Central. Yeah, uh, I'm a stand-up comedian, storyteller from Brooklyn, New York. Born and raised, not like I just showed up here from the middle of the country. I'm actually, like, from Brooklyn. Yeah, I like to specify. And I've just been doing stand-up now for a little under a decade. I had the pleasure of doing a few different TV spots. Been on Comedy Central a few times, and now I get to kind of tell jokes for a living. So it's pretty dope. That. Sounds pretty dope indeed. Now, you recently released an album, your debut stand-up album called Immigrant Made. Now, considering you are not an immigrant yourself, born and raised in Brooklyn, as you said, what yeah. made you go this way? Yeah, well, the album is called Immigrant Made because my parents and my aunts, uncles, and my grandparents are all immigrants to this country, and they played a, a vital role in me being the man I am today. So like all of my worldviews developed by the time I spent with them and even more so just like the style of comedy I do is super conversational. And I, I learned that from hanging out with my uncles and my dad on the stoop on Sundays and just telling stories. So only difference is I do it in English. They did it in Spanish. Right. That's about it. Other than that, I still feel like I'm just talking like my uncles did every Sunday. And I got to watch this comedy class every Sunday with them. Outside of that, I just think that the best American stories are all immigrant stories. They're people that came here and wanted something better for the country, wanted something better for their family. And those things kind of go hand in hand. 
And in turn, you know, they make kids that benefit from it. I'm one of those kids. You know, my parents had a dream. They came here and they wanted more for their future and their theoretical family. I'm the theoretical person uh, that uh, came about <laughs> it and uh, got to reap the benefits of their hard work. The album, I actually structure it as the story of my family. It's informally like the first third is roughly a story about my grandfather when he immigrates here, a story of my father when he immigrated here, and then a story of me and my son. You kind of get to see how immigrating to this country changed my family's future and hopefully leads to me and my son being people that are viewed as a positive value add to this country. That's like the yeah, uh, beautiful you, way to see that, I think, right? Plus, it's just funny, you know? So uh, check it out in general. Yeah, it's funny and it's got to be funny. I mean, this is what I want to ask. You touch on a point which talks to so many of us, myself included. I'm the immigrant and then my kids are first generation. So there's a lot of humor and dysfunctional humor in that situation. <laughs> you know, there has to be. But I've got so many questions. And the first being, why do you say that immigrant stories are the best stories in America. I agree, but I want to hear you say why. Yeah, I find that there is something incredibly like powerful about faith and belief, and that's what I think immigrants have in spades, right? They want to go to a place that they hear um, has more potential for their future, and most of their cases, they haven't been there. They're just hearing these stories third hand. They're hearing them through phone calls, through actual physical letters in the time of my parents and hearing about the things that the family member that they haven't seen in 10, 20 years is achieving in this other place and deciding to go there blindly, you know, without seeing the place. Mm -hmm. It wasn't YouTube when my parents came here. They couldn't like, oh, that's what New York looks like. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, they just kind of just hope that, you know, my uncle was really descriptive in that letter he sent, you know, and hope that it was accurate when he showed up. And also just like the mass of it, like it, it can be incredibly overwhelming when they show up here, right? Like, you know, they came from an island with under 5 million people to a city with over 8 million people, right? So much of that seems scary and we take it for granted that they came to these places just because they believed in what could be achieved. I think that takes an incredible amount of imagination. And in turn, they worked lives that when I hear about them now, like, oh, that's how a movie starts. There's just things that like, every time I speak to my mom, my dad, or my uncles, there's stuff that they did that I wouldn't fathom. <laughs> the fact that they dealt with conditions and situations that now their kids not only wouldn't stand for, wouldn't even confront shows what their efforts kind of like gave us. So yeah, I think the best stories come from them just because their worldview is different and the things they were going after were bigger. And in turn, that's kind of why I do what I do. I think it's the coolest way to do them honor. You know, I always think about the fact that like they had to like go after really concrete job, build this or drive this or run this machine. And in turn, all of their kids are like artists, you know, so uh, just like yep. the, the freedom to do that, I think is incredible. But that only comes because of the work they put in first. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like my father, my late father, everything that he stood for was manufacturing. And if you don't make it with a machine in a factory, then it's not worthy. And, you know, what is all this tech nonsense and this artist nonsense and this? <laughs> like, yeah. like imagine you telling your do? dad, like, oh, I'm, I'm, what do you do for work today? Oh, I'm interviewing this comedian from Brooklyn. Yeah. We're going to talk and record it. And they're like, that's insane. That doesn't sound totally like a job. Insane. That sounds like a conversation, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, but he doesn't realize how hard it is. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's hard work, Dad. Uh, where did your family come from? Let our audiences know for those who are less familiar with your work. Yeah, sure. They uh, come from the Dominican Republic, both of them, specifically from this small town called Bonao. It's towards the middle of the country, big farming community. Both of my parents actually met there. My dad immigrated here initially in high school, then uh, went back and forth and started dating my mom, and then they both came over together again, and I was born here soon after. You being the first-gen kid. Yeah. Here is my question. Is there a distinct difference between the mindset, the understanding, the contextual references, you know, everything. Is there a big difference between the immigrant and the first-gen kid that causes them to disconnect in some ways? Yeah, I mean, depending on when, there's moments of that that's unfortunate, but there's also moments of that that's a blessing, right? Like, that's part of why they came here. I mm -hmm. shouldn't have the same reference points because I'm not living the same life they're living. But yeah, I, I definitely think there's differences, and it just has a lot to do with opportunity and risk. I think their stakes are significantly higher than mine, right? From the very beginning, like, I can't be deported. Things like that go out the window for me. The amount of money that they've been able to work for and achieve and save and invest meant that I went to schools that they didn't even know existed. My base life will always be higher than what theirs was, whereas they've gotten incredible things, but they had to earn those things, whereas I'm going to be middle class just because they mm -hmm. worked, you know? So that changes your worldview. That changes a lot of your reference points. There's going to be things that I know for a fact they won't understand when I explain it, like wanting to connect with people through jokes and stories. Um, mm -hmm. They can't fathom that I'd want to pursue that over the stability of fortune 500 office job whereas by the same token until like i became a parent and even then i still can't fully get the fear and the concern that they show over decisions that i make as their child mm -hmm. you know and I, mm -hmm. I i think that's part of it and i just think it takes a lot of empathy to try to understand where each other where we're all coming from but understanding that we're not ever going to have the exact same POV and that's okay. We're in different places. As long as we're empathetic with each other and understand that that's the case, I think it's fine, you know? Yeah. Well, one of the things I sort of struggle with with my kids is their understanding of India. I'm from India and they are very much American kids. So their context is obviously totally different to mine. So when I think of India, I put myself back there. I am my teenage self, and that's my frame of reference. Yeah. But, you know, I've grown up with them saying, oh, no, you don't know anything. You live under a rock. No, 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 no none of this. And now, as young adults, they seem to be very interested in the idea of India. But I'm like, what? You know, you're totally off key here. I mean, this is not how we do it. And they're like, you don't know anything. Okay, that I think I'm going to have to live with for life. But the understanding of India is very different as an American first-generation kid to me, the immigrant. And I wonder if even from your parents' point of view, they feel this way or something like this about you and your culture from the Dominican Republic. 
I'm positive they do. Like one of the big <laughs> things is I feel that I identify as being Dominican. I'm proud of it. With that said, I feel like there is a strong Dominican New York culture that Ooh. I connect with that is separate yes. from theirs just because there's such a big Dominican presence in this city that in itself, it's a strong and beautiful community that I do believe is different from the one back home in their country. Second, there's different touch points, different things we call home. Like to me, Brooklyn is home and it, it always will be. And it took me a while, like now that I'm married and like having real discussions with my wife about where we should buy our next home. And she wants like sunlights and backyards and I'm trying to fight for corner <laughs> stores and stoops, you know? So uh, <laughs> we want different things, but like, I didn't realize how attached I was to this borough and my identity being a big part of it. It makes me realize like, oh, that's why mom and dad are always talking about like, you know, at some point I want to retire and go back home to DR. And I couldn't comprehend that because I'm like, yo, like you left there because your life wasn't getting to where you wanted to get to. It's better now. It's better here. Why would you want to go back there? I see that now. Like there's just something about the place that you became who you are. That place is, is embedded in you. And if you had a positive experience with that, there's something about going back to that. And it's always home. So they've been, you know, they travel back, but they've been here 40 years and they still refer to that as their home. Whereas to me, Brooklyn is, you know, mm -hmm. Brooklyn is your home. So tell us about a party that you went to in Brooklyn. I think it was Brooklyn. I may be wrong, but I'm guessing <laughs> which wasn't really a party you were supposed to be at, if I got that yeah. part right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it was just outside of Brooklyn. My aunt, Rafaela, had just bought a home in Queens. And, you know, I was excited to see it because this was a big deal in my family. She was the first one of my aunts and uncles, not including my parents, to own property. We were excited to see her kind of like own this home. And it was a celebration of sorts. She had just gotten married. And it was a whole like big moment. She's throwing a like Saturday barbecue, a housewarming, you know? And you gotta mm -hmm. keep in mind, I'm a young adult. I'm like 18, so I'm just driving. I'm feeling myself a little bit. I'm feeling super cocky in my abilities to kind of like maneuver around. And I say this to say that I don't ask for enough details <laughs> when uh, <laughs> I'm getting information. And this is also, uh, I also say that to say that this is during the era of we we are now carrying cell phones, but like that's a very new thing. They don't got GPSs yet. I don't got ways, none of that stuff. So mm -hmm. she tells me roughly where the house is. She gave me the address verbally, and I didn't remember the numbers, but I do remember the general direction she gave me. She said, "Hey, hit Atlantic Avenue, make a right. It's the White House with this and that and the third." Anyway, you don't worry about it because the driveway leads to the backyard. You'll hear us partying. You'll know where it is. So right. I pull up to the block. I make the right. I see the energy. I park the car. And as soon as I get out the car, I see like other Dominican people walking out of their cars on the sidewalk to the house with like gifts in their bat and like their arms. Like, oh yeah, these are housewarming gifts. I'm feeling stupid now, like, damn, should I have bought something? I'm like, damn, I should have got some too. You know, that's what people do. My friends don't have houses, so I don't know what the housewarming protocol is at this point. But I'm looking at it, I'm like, all right, cool. So I see people doing that. And like, there's like two couples that like I see walking separately, they meet each other, they laugh. 
And then they're like, oh, and then I see them point to the house. So they start walking towards the house. Now I'm thinking, oh, these are these are the in-laws, right? These are my aunts' people. So I don't know them, but I know that she married another Dominican dude. So this is the energy. So I, 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 I run up on them. I'm like, yo, this is the party. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, and I don't know the guy like that. So I'm like, who are you guys with? And they say like, oh, we with this guy. And I'm like, okay, that must be her husband's name. So I'm like, oh, cool. I'm with, you know, I'm with Rafaela. They're like, oh, yeah, come through. And I didn't specify that it was Rafaela's house. I just said Rafaela, you know. So they were like, yeah, come on in. <laughs> so they okay. take me to the party. In true, like, Dominican party energy, the guys are, like, drinking and doing dominoes. So, like, mm -hmm. as soon as I walk in, they put the gifts down. The two wives and the couple run inside. They're like, yo, we're going to go help in the kitchen. I'm like, yeah, cool. I'm sure I'm sure Rafaela would help, would appreciate that. And they start introducing me to people. Oh, yeah, this is Gastor. He's uh, with Rafaela. He's just here hanging out. And they just, they hand me a beer. I sit down. I'm excited in general because I was like 18, 19. So I'm an adult, but I shouldn't have been having a beer yet. So I was like, oh, these dudes are mad cool. You know? <laughs> so they're passing me the beer. You know, I don't know if uh, when my aunts and uncles see me, they might take it away. But for now, I'm rocking with these guys. And we just sit down and we just start talking, you know, like, hey, yo, you saw what the Yankees was doing. It's crazy. Right game was dope. Yo, Gaster, you want in on this Domino's game? I sit down. I'm crushing people. Crushing people, Renita. I'm, I'm running three games at a Domino's table. I'm having a great time hanging out. You were, you were made to be at that party. It was my Regardless people. Regardless of, <laughs> it was your people, exactly. It was my people. <laughs> I found the center of the community I should have been around. And like uh -huh. one of the dudes who I came in with, uh, his wife comes back out to check in on him. She's like, hey, how you chilling? He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm getting to know people here. Gas was a great guy. We've been hanging out. We run in the Domino's table, you know. And she's like, hey, do you, you want anything to eat? He's like, yeah, I'll take a burger and like some ribs. And then she looks at me. Mm -hmm. He's like, hey, do you want some? My girlfriend hadn't shown up yet. So I was like, yeah, why not? So she brings me a plate of food, you know? So now I'm having a burger. I'm having ribs. I'm having a beer. I'm playing dominoes. I'm having a blast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like a burger isn't like a fast food, you know, like. It's a fast food that you get made. You got to take a few minutes to eat that, like a barbecued-style burger. It's stick. You know, it takes five, six, ten minutes to eat that. Then you have ribs on top of that, and then, like, a beer, too. You don't, like, chug a beer at a barbecue. You sip it. So, like, More like I'm there, yeah. like, half hour talking <laughs> with these people, and I'm like, yo, I still ain't seen none of my, like, cousins or my aunts, you know? <laughs> like, but I'm having such a good time that, like, it wasn't, like, an emergency. It's just... I was curious, like, hey, you know, what's going on? So I asked the dudes, like, yo, was, why, why, is, uh, why ain't anybody else outside? They're, like, prepping some big dinner thing that they're doing, so that's why they brought out the the barbecue for us for the meantime. But uh, we're all going to go in to eat in a little bit. And they will, and one of them even, like, invited me. He's like, yo, you should go say what's up to the people. I was like, no, 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 I'll do that after the Domino's game. And I'm sure some mm -hmm. of them will pop out and say hi. And every time, like, someone comes out, one of the, like, one of the guy's wives or something would pop out. The first time, I'm like, okay, that's not a big deal that I don't know right. this lady. The second time, sure. But, like, I'm there, like, 45, 50 minutes, and I'm noticing, like, y'all don't know any of these women. And then I'm like, y'all don't know any of the guys they're saying hi to. There's no way that everyone at this party is the in-laws family. Like, my, my family's pretty big. Like, we would have been present by now. I'm having a good time, but I'm getting a little curious to see what's going on. So I stand up. And I grab my phone out of my pocket and 
I call up my aunt. I call up my cousin. I'm like, yo, uh, you guys are you guys are coming to, to Theos? You guys are coming to my aunt's? And he's like, yo, we we already here. We was wondering where you at. And I'm like, what are you talking about, my G? Like, I'm here in the backyard. And they're like, nah, we in the house. And I'm like, yo, come outside. Come kick it. And he's like, all right, cool. I'll see you in a second. And I'm like, all right, good. So I put the phone back. I sit down at the table. I hang out for a little bit more. And I start getting into, like, my next game of dominoes. And my phone starts going off. And I pick it up. And it's my aunt. And she's like, yo, everyone's looking for you. And I'm like, y'all been in the backyard for an hour. How big is this house? You know, and she's like, nah, like, I don't see you. I'm in the backyard right now. No one sees you. And I hear her, like, walking around asking people. And I hear the energy from the phone, Renita. I hear it. I could tell it's, like, an equally packed place. And Ooh. I feel like I would have heard the same kind of energy. And, like, while I like the music they playing, it's not the music we playing here. Right, you know? So, right. like, I they're in the nut. I'm happening. like, yo, what, what's going on? And she's like, yeah, so like, I'm walking the whole yard. I don't see you. I'm going to walk to the front of the house. Are you at? And she tells me the address. And I was like, I didn't see the address. I just followed your family. Mm -hmm. And she walks out and she's like, I don't see you here. I think there's another party across the street that you're at. And I'm like, you sure? And she's like, look, I feel highly confident you're in the wrong place right now. I see a lot of like equal Dominican joyous energy <laughs> across the street from my house <laughs> and i look around and like it really hits me i'm like yo none of these people are my family and i've been here for a minute and i'm in this dominoes game but i'm like talking with her and like i'm trying to say everything coded because it's starting to hit me that i don't know these people and i don't right. want them to be alarmed that i've been there that long so i'm like yeah okay all right let me look into that you know like <laughs> so Finally, I'm like, all right, hold on. I'm going to come check out front, Thea. And I hang up on her. And I tell the guys, I'm like, yo, listen, where's the bathroom at? And they're like, you got to go inside, but you could also head out through the front. We got another mm -hmm. one mm -hmm. in, the, um, in, in the other side of the uh, apartment, but it might be easier instead of walking through all the people in the kitchen. I said, cool, I'm going to do that. And I walk through the front of the house. I walk through the side <laughs> driveway to the front of the house, and I look in front, and I see my aunt across the street. And oh, she great. starts laughing. And I joined her, and I joined the appropriate party. Also a good party, by the way. Admittedly, not as good as I'm the party sure. I just left. I told her, I was like, yo, you got to step your Damn. game up. Your neighbors are crushing it. <laughs> but uh, I had a, like I had a, a great time party competition with them. on the block, you know. It's Sincerely. Like I, I, I wish they came together at one point. But to this day, there's a family somewhere in Queens and Richmond Hill that's waiting for me to come back from the bathroom, uh, wondering where Gastor went. I had a great time there. I had a great time at my aunt's with people that I know and love. And I uh, got to meet some new people that I could have grown to to know and love if I would have stayed there longer. There you go. I think now is your opportunity, Gastor. You got to show up next 10 minutes. I'm back <laughs> from the bathroom. Where have you been? That was a pretty long... Okay, I'm not going to finish the sentence. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> that is hilarious. Hilarious. Thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to tell us before we wrap up? Like, for example, I'm very curious about Story Collider. What's that? Yeah, I uh, have the pleasure of being a story producer for this not-for-profit called Story Collider. Story Collider is a not-for-profit that focuses on sharing real personal stories about science. So we have credible scientists share heartwarming stories about their work experience. And we also have uh, people who are in the world of STEM share their personal stories and show that 
even after you might leave school or that professional space, science mm-hmm. is still a part of everybody's life. It's a uh, truly rewarding work. I've had the pleasure of working with them for four years, and uh, it's just a chance to kind of do good with this gift of kind of talking on stage. So yeah, I have a blast doing it. I've been doing it for four years. Now check them out, storycollider.org. They share those stories on their podcasts every single week. Super. I cannot wait to listen to that one. As ex-marketing head of SRI International, which is a science research institute in Silicon Valley, I know those scientists, the, the, their stories are amazing, like the best that exists out there, you know, yeah, aside from it's the incredible. ones, of course. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they come a close second. <laughs> they come a close second. And then when you got those immigrant scientists, it's like that perfect mix, right? You know, it's, like, it's an unfair storytelling <gasps> advantage. That's what I call it. There you go. Life is all about unfair advantage. Isn't that the truth? Amen. Gastor, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to have you on the True Fiction Project. I cannot wait to hear your story. The fictional one, that is. Thank you so much for having me, Renita. Looking forward to somehow making that story even crazier. Thank you. That is Gaster Almonte. He is a comedian and storyteller from Brooklyn. Look out for his debut album, Immigrant Maid, which debuted at number one on the various comedy charts, iTunes comedy, Google Play comedy, Amazon music comedy charts. Also look out for his science storytelling nonprofit project, Story Collider. And I'm Renita Hora, your host for the True Fiction Project. I'm heading to Portugal. I'm heading there soon. I got to learn the language. So I'm thinking about going for Rosetta Stone's language learning program. Why you ask? Because they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and something like 25 languages offered. And they don't believe in English translations. So you really learn to speak listen and think in that language. In my case, that's Portuguese. So if you're thinking of learning a language, don't put it off. There's no better time than right now to get started. And for a very limited time, True Fiction Project listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com forward slash today That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com forward slash today. Today, guys. And now to the premise of the True Fiction Project, which of course is to create fiction out of nonfiction. together by bagels. When I bought my house, I was really excited because I'd have my own parking spot. In Brooklyn, that's huge. If you haven't ended a work shift, a trip to the mall, or a night out with the girls with a half-hour search for parking, you haven't driven in the five boroughs. It's why everyone takes trains, but I have kids, and I got tired of swiping my Metro card four times every time I wanted to go in any direction. My only issue, my block isn't shaped like most blocks. It's not a square or a rectangle. It's technically a right trapezoid, but we call it a triangle. The side that exists to make it a trapezoid is small. Why am I so hyper-aware of the shape of my block? Because it led to a war with my neighbor. My driveway starts where the back of his building ends, and both of these things meet at the obtuse angle of this block. Who cares, you think? Why would you fight over angles? 
because angles are defined by lines, and lines are used to define property. And when you define property, you can assign responsibility. My parking gate opens in the direction of my neighbor's building's backyard. When the wind blows, all sorts of street garbage, leaves, trash, and more accumulates against his wall, which makes it impossible to open my gate fully to take out my car. Not a little bit of trash either. It's tons. I can throw out a solid bag of garbage from the area weekly. The first three weeks of my home-owned, street-search-free-in-Brooklyn parking was spoiled by having to clean this wall each time I wanted to leave and return to my home. Finally, I broke and rang my neighbor's bell. Hey, I didn't mean to bother you, but the trash out back gets pretty crazy. I didn't say more because I expected him to apologize and take it on like a normal person. Yeah, I've heard. Good luck with that. Good luck with that? Who says that? I was blown away with how flippant this guy had been about his wall. No, I mean, that's the trash that builds up back there. It keeps me from opening up my gate so I can't drive in and out of my spot. I hear you, but I'm never back there. And I know that if you need to pull up or out of your spot, you'll have to clean it anyway, so I never need to. The city will give you a ticket. It would have to pile up for weeks before they did that. You'll use your driveway before that ever happens. I was fuming, but he'd won. I initially let it pile up for two weeks as I had a vacation, but I spent the entire vacation just checking my backyard three, four, sometimes five times a day just to see his wall gather more trash he wasn't taking. Finally, I gave in and cleaned it myself. He'd won. Besides, it was my only issue with the new house. Love the place. I even had the corner store right next to my house. I'd start my day the same way every day. I'd go outside and order a bacon, egg, and cheese on a bagel every morning during my first year of home ownership. But when the quarantine started, things got different. I knew the city meant business the second morning of the lockdown because when I showed up to place my order, Poppy told me, Sorry, you gotta wait. We didn't get our bread last night. He said he'd come in this morning. You want to wait or you want it on a roll? I'll wait. I'm a man of patience. While waiting, my neighbor walks in. I heard him order bacon, egg, and cheese on a bagel. I guess bad people can have good taste in sandwich bread options. But just as Poppy told me, I heard him share the same news of his current lack of bagels. My neighbor also decides to wait, but seeing me in the store, we stand on opposite sides. As we're waiting, others come into the store and we hear them place their orders for breakfast. Over and over again, I keep hearing people either order their breakfast on a roll or cave when the bagel isn't there and start their day off on the wrong foot. Madness! After 15 minutes, I witness dozens of people start their day off wrong. Eventually, my friend Gina walks in and I hear him place his order. No bagels? Just put it on a roll then. And I snap. What are you doing, girl? It's too big a difference. Isn't it basically the same? No, not at all. Rolls lack the structural integrity to hold up for an entire commute with hot ingredients inside. It's fine for a spread, but when you upgrade to a bacon, egg, and cheese, the roll is now punching above its weight class. Nah, I mean, I prefer the bagel, but it's not that serious. Before I can continue, my neighbor jumps in. It really is. How are you going to eat the second half of the sandwich? By the time you get to that part, the roll is lost to the egg and cheese, and it's just a hot milkshake at that point. It can't hold it. Exactly, I yell in support of my neighbor. And in that moment, realizing I'd found an odd ally. Suddenly, a debate sparks. The bodega regulars, Gina, and a few others outnumber me and my neighbor in the roll versus bagel breakfast sandwich bread debate. But we don't budge. 
As we're doing this, the delivery arrives, and besides getting our sandwiches, we order two extra BECs, one on a bagel and one on a roll. We ask Poppy to cut it into four pieces, and we offer people bites of both before ordering, starting an unofficial taste test. We agree that the losing side will pay the winners 50 bucks and cover the cost of the taste test sandwiches. Try both, close your eyes if it helps, we tell the customers. Surprisingly, not everyone wants to get involved. I'm not sure if it's because it's odd to ask random people to try sandwich bites at the corner store under the J train, or if like most New Yorkers, they got other things to do. We ordered another two sandwiches, then two more sandwiches. But after a while, we see that it's tied up at 10 each. Sadly, we lost two pieces to sloppy handling, leaving us with one piece of each sandwich for all the marbles. This man walks in, and we've never seen him before. He's not from the neighborhood, a random. A random could swing the vote. He's not from here, but he's from the city, so he's comfortable in the space. He's ordered sandwiches at a Brooklyn deli before. Let me get a bacon, egg, and cheese, and before he continues, we ask, bagel or roll? We asked in sync, which initially shocks him. What the heck? And we apologize, informing him he's entered a tough debate. We catch him up, and he laughs. And he looks at everyone and confesses he's never given it much thought, but will do so today. We watch him bite into both sandwiches, then look at us, then turn to Poppy, then look at us again. Bagel. Me and my neighbor erupt in cheers. 50 bucks richer. We high-five the new guy who says he's just here because he had a fun Tinder date last night that ended this morning. He tried the deli across the street first, but he didn't like the vibe and came here. We cover his breakfast out of our winnings. Random guy, the neighbor, and I walk out the store laughing and eating our sandwiches, bonding over our shared superior stance on sandwiches. We ended up walking together to my backyard as I needed to open my gate to drive out and do errands, and he was going to walk to the train. I say peace to him, then start staring at the trash that's accumulated in his wall. New guy asked me if this was my gate. I said, yeah, but not my wall. Then my neighbor said, yeah, it's my wall, but his gate. And then the new guy said, no worries, I'll help out, and he starts picking up the trash. My neighbor and I look at each other and smirk before joining him. Here at the True Fiction Project, we are always looking for great stories that make for compelling fiction. So, if you have a great story or know somebody who does, or if you are a writer who would like to contribute, then please do get in touch with us at renita.com forward slash contact. Thank you for listening to The True Fiction Project with Renita Hora. Be sure to subscribe to the newsletter to receive more inspiring stories showing how fiction is born from our everyday experiences. For more information, visit www.truefictionproject.com. Thank you.